0: The following podcast is a program segment from the Midday Moments program with Gary Duncan. Join Gary for two hours of sacred music, along with moments of faith, family, and fun. Listen to AM 850 in St. Louis, or on the live stream at KFUO.org. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere, KFUO Radio.
1: AMA 15, KFUO Worldwide at KFUO.org. I'm Gary. This is the Midday Moments program. It's time now for our Moment of Faith with Pastor Doug Nicely. Uh, pastor Nicely is the pastor of Jerusalem Lutheran Church in Collinsville, Illinois. Good afternoon, Pastor.
0: Good afternoon, Gary. Good to talk to you, as always. Today,
1: we're on the ninth and 10th Commandment. We're combining those together to talk about it, and that is, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his male servant, or his female servant, or his ox, or his donkey, or anything of your neighbor's, Uh, you shall not covet.
0: And that's one verse in, in Exodus chapter 20. Yeah. Um, Which is interesting that we have two commandments there. And it just has to do with how you number the commandments. There's nothing in the Bible that says that commandment number one is this verse, commandment number two is that verse. And different church traditions have different ways of counting the commandments. But when we get to verse 17, we all end up with number 10. (laughs) Okay. So that's good. Just to give you a little bit of background on this, in this large catechism, Martin Luther defines coveting as, therefore, I say they interpreted these commandments correctly to forbid anyone, even when apparently good pretense or excuse is there. Harm a neighbor by intending or scheming to take away anything that belongs to the neighbor. That's the idea behind coveting. Mm -hmm. It has to do with intending and scheming to take something away.
1: Okay, so you know, we don't have to worry about it because my neighbors don't have ox or donkeys or male servants, but no, it's anything that they have. A desire as well.
0: Yeah, even a desire. Um, Jesus makes that very clear in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, you know, if you have an intention, you've already committed the commandment. Oh, which is scary. <laughs> right. But uh, let me tell you one more story about the life of King David here. Coveting was seen in the life of David at the end of his life, when yet another son, Adonijah, attempted to take the throne away from his father. In those days, a king's vitality was seen as the major qualification for him to rule. You know what I mean, right? Mm-hmm. When King David's rule was threatened, his advisors came up with this plan let a young woman be sought for my lord the king and let her wait on the king and be in his service let her lie in your arms that my lord the king may be warm so they sought for a beautiful woman uh, throughout the territory of israel and found abishag the shunammite and brought her to the king the young woman was very beautiful Uh, she was of service to the king and attended to him but the king knew her not had no relations with her Now, Adonijah, the son of Haggath, exalted himself, saying, I will become king. So Adonijah decided, this is it. This is my time. If David David can't uh, be virile with a woman, then um, he doesn't have a right to be king anymore.
1: So he was coveting the kingdom.
0: The whole thing, yeah. yeah. Well, Adonijah was David's eldest son. He had been waiting for a long time to be chosen as his father's successor to the throne. Now it's Adonijah's turn. Instead of honoring his father, he forgets about him and proceeds to live out his personal sovereignty as if David was already dead. Absalom tried to kill his father, but Adonijah simply ignored him. That's a quote from Eugene Peterson, an interesting book on uh, the life of King David. Like Absalom's story, the plot by Adonijah ends up in a failure. Nathan the prophet and Bathsheba, his wife, convinced the dying king to crown his son Solomon while Absalom is having his victory party with General Joab and the priest Abiathar. Which means, once again, just like we talked about with the eighth commandment, these sons were recruiting David's trusted advisors. In fact, in the case of Joab, he was David's cousin, and Joab decided he was going to go over with Adonijah too. So it's kind of sad that all of this happens. We, we look forward, I guess, to something that we might inherit. As I've mentioned on a number of occasions, and this comes from a lot of years of being in the ministry, there's probably no time when you're going to run into more resentment in a family than when you end up arguing over something that you potentially can inherit.
1: Right. That's such a mess. I've seen that in my life, too, where uh, families break apart after the death of a, a parent uh, because they fight over things. They covet those things.
0: Yeah. So here's a little bit of advice from Jesus. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, about what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on, for is life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your Heavenly Father feeds them. Are you of much more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to your life? And then he goes on and talks about other things, too. It's just a kind of a warning that, once again, as we're going to find out a few weeks from now, there are so many ways of applying, give us this day, our daily bread to our lives. We we get anxious about our life, and that's the big problem we Mm -hmm. run into.
1: And the science of psychology actually shows us that anxiety actually (laughs) could shorten our lives.
0: Yes, it could. Here's a little background on um, a book by Philip Yancey called Rumors of Another World. Philip Yancey in his book describes what the medieval world named the seven deadly sins as today's seven seductive virtues. Three of these have to do with coveting. First is envy. Our entire advertising industry is built on inciting envy of colleagues and neighbors so that whatever new electronic marvel or body shape my neighbor has, I want it too. Greed, the economic engine of our nation, indeed of the world, depends on a constant sense of discontent that motivates each consumer to desire even more. And finally, gluttony. Every year, big drinks and supersized french fries get bigger, as do the waistlines. Currently, 64% of Americans are overweight, with half of that percentage qualifying as obese. Maybe the answer is, suggested by Luther, that it would be good for us to encourage our neighbor and to help him keep what he has.
1: Could you lead us in a prayer?
0: Let me do that. Lord, teach us to live not for what we want or desire, but rather for the surprise you have ready for all your children who trust more and more in your good and gracious provision. For we pray in the name of Jesus, our Savior from sin, death, and the devil. Amen.
1: Amen. We are the messenger of good news worldwide at KFUO.org, AM 850 here in the St. Louis region.